Really excited to hear God's word from Nate. And so, Nate, come on. Am I on? Are we good? Yeah, okay. Uh, church planning intern sounds more official than it actually is, I would say. Uh, but I am an intern, so whatever that's worth. Uh, turning your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read uh, the first 13 verses. Okay. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We pray that you would use your word to um, teach us, to instruct us, to guide us. We pray that you would make yourself known to us through your word here and that we would hear it clearly. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. In October of 1983... Oliver North was commissioned to fight communism in uh, Central America. And at this time, he was Re- Ronald Reagan, the president at the time, was worried about uh, the situation specifically in Cuba and Nicaragua and uh, what was then going to become this small country of Granada. Now, Granada was taken over by Marxist revolutionaries in the late 1970s, early 1980s. And so Oliver North commissioned a man named Kevin Katke to gather intelligence for a coming uh, invasion to stop communism. Now, Oliver North is probably familiar because he became famous for the Iran-Contra scandal in which he was selling weapons all over the globe to fund this fight against communism, right? But Kevin Katke is someone else. And you would think that he's someone of a high office, but it turns out he was a Macy's uh, escalator repairman, and he decided that him 
and three of his buddies, who were former veterans, uh, were going to start gaining intelligence for the U.S. government so that they could fight communism because they thought that the U.S. government had let them down by giving up in Vietnam. So how does someone become an amateur spy? And how does Kevin Kaki become the center of an invasion of an entire country by the United States? Well, he decided he was going to go to New York and meet some Grenadian people who had exiled the country or had left the communist regime. He found a lawyer from Granada who would then uh, fly him and his buddies down to Granada so they could talk to people. He also founded a nonprofit all for this called the Grenadian Movement for Freedom and Democracy. Um, And this is the person that Oliver North had heard of that he was going to call to gain intelligence for this mission because not only were they worried about communism, but there were 18 medical students that were studying in Granada at the time that were from the United States. And the situation was becoming more and more hostile in Granada. So the plan, stop communism with Kevin Kaki and three of his buddies who had no idea what was going on in Granada, and uh, get these 18 Americans home. So Oliver North calls Kevin Kaki, provides some intelligence, and on October 25th, 1983, they invaded the country of Granada. Pretty quick mission. They got all 18 college students home. Uh, They only had 19 casualties. And it seems like things went all right. They succeeded. They got all the college students home. But what we didn't know is that Kevin Kaki had already failed to gain intelligence into the situation with the Grenadian government at the time. And also, the intel that he provided wasn't good enough, so they had to give tourist maps to the soldiers that were invading Granada. And that was the plan. They didn't actually know where the students were. They didn't actually know how many people were going to be uh, opposing them. And they were handed the same maps that they handed tourists when they came to Granada. It was a bad plan with bad people at a bad time. And 19 American lives were lost because they didn't know what they were doing. And I think the question I want to ask and answer today is, what is the plan? What is the life that you want to have, that we want to have? Where are the places that you want to go, the things that you want to achieve? And how safe does your plan feel? Is it, a, is it assuring to know that you have a plan? I think that we often realize that we are very unsure about what not only what our plan is, but what God's plan is. Where do we find ourselves in the midst of the story that God is telling Because I think we feel the pressure often that if we don't do this or do that or achieve this or uh, make this happen, then we are going to fail in God's plan and we'll never find it. So I want to explore three things today. First, the mystery of Paul. Second, the revelation of God's plan. And third, the confidence of God's church. The mystery of Paul the revelation of God's plan and the confidence of God's church. So first, the mystery of Paul. And the mystery of Paul begins when we first see that Paul 
is a prisoner. Here we see that Paul is writing this letter, and he digresses in the dialogue to something new. See, at this point, Paul had given us this letter about the riches of Christ, his great love for his people. As Rome talked about, the, the beautiful, or Chris talked about last week, the beautiful family that God is creating. And now Paul is cluing, on, cluing us in on something new. He's saying, look here, because I'm, I'm essentially I'm reintroducing myself. I'm saying, okay, I introduced myself in chapter one. It's chapter three. I, Paul, a prisoner. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner. And what Paul is doing here is he's grabbing us our attention and showing us that there is intentionality in where he is at and in where the Ephesians are at. See, the Ephesians are probably looking at Paul thinking, um, so the plan was... You were going to come to us. You were going to be with us. We were going to hear the gospel from you, and now you're uh, in prison. So what's the plan? Seems like Rome got us. We're stuck, and there's nowhere to go, right? I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, am here for the Gentiles. And even though I am in prison, the plan is still on. The sovereign work of God has put Paul exactly where he is and exactly where the Ephesians is. The Ephesians are. And he says, there's something new to be heard. That here in the middle of the book, Paul is telling us that the plan is still in play. And not just the plan for Paul, the plan for them and the plan for the world. So here, it's showing us that just because Paul is a prisoner of Christ does not make void the plan that God has for Paul and his people. But also, verse 2, it starts to tell us here, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. See, the text is pulling us in and showing us that Paul is someone who is worthy to be trusted because he belongs to someone who is trustworthy. It's not due to his own accord. Paul is not sending an esteemed letter of some celebrity apostle. Now, Paul is displaying this lowly place and saying that he is only here by the grace of God for the grace of God, and he has a word. He is stating that his authority is from God, and it's not that he is a not just that he is a prisoner now, and it's not just that this is some grand display of piety. It is further clarity that his appeal to his authority is rooted in the fact that he is Christ and does not belong to anyone else. So he's amplifying the fact that Paul has not only seen the plan of God and that it has been revealed to him, but he has been sent from the beginning of his conversion. All the pieces of Paul's life are a part of the narrative that God is using to show his glory as the master builder and the craftsman. So what is the plan? It says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Now, as Paul is going on, that this mystery that he received is to be trusted, he not only points to the fact that he is low, that he's a prisoner of Christ, that he's a servant of Christ, but what he is saying is that he is a servant of the gospel, and that this mystery is something that I have told others about, and I am telling you again. Or in other words, the fact that I'm a prisoner right now has no 
has now new bearing on the fact that God is still using me and he has used me in the past. The office that I have is still in play. He's not doing anything new and he's not offering some mystery detached from the fact that he has been commissioned by the will of God to be saying this to the Ephesians. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 5 and 7, he reintroduces his idea of apostleship in a different way. He says, Indeed, I consider that I am now in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you may be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? See, Paul wants to make the Ephesians aware that the authority is trustworthy and that the plan is trustworthy. Now, some scholars have looked at this passage and they've seen the mystery and they've said, well, this is further proof that Christianity uh, was following Gnosticism, right? Walter Bauer and Bart Ehrman have made claims that Christianity... uh, just took on this form of Gnosticism and that it's, it's really no different. It's the same religion. And in Gnosticism, you're trying to gain a mystery. You're trying to gain secret knowledge so that you can climb the chain of being and find God. That's the whole plan. You gain secret knowledge in this secret community so that you can find God. The mystery of the gospel, though, is not Gnostic, Because in Christian theology, we get the radical mystery that God took on himself a human body in order that we might be saved. The plan of God is that he reveals himself to us clearly. It's not a hidden message. It's not a mystery. The plan of God to redeem his elect and bring them to eternal rest was made far more complicated and hidden and mysterious when we sinned. That's where the mystery comes in. That's why it's hidden to men like Bart Ehrman or Walter Bauer, because the message is clear when we receive the gospel. It says here, which was, uh, continuing verse 5, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body shares together in the promise in Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. And I think before we get to the second point, we have to answer... uh, or we have to see the reality that the plan of God is hidden and was hidden to the generations of man because of us. The plan of God is hidden because of us. And the reality of this gospel, of this multi-ethnic, multifaceted church cannot be realized unless we see that our sin has made us quite selfish in regards to this plan of God because often we cannot see the plan of God because we sin. And then we think, well, the plan of God doesn't work because I'm not spiritual like Paul. Or 
I, don't, I miss my quiet times all the time, or I'm not hearing God in prayer. And we miss the fact that the mystery of this revealed plan is the fact that God has given himself in Christ Jesus for sinners like you and me. The good news, the plan of God, the mystery of God, is that we are grafted into the plan of God. And often we miss this because we start to grab a tourist map that Kevin Kapke offers. We say, well, this plan is good, but um, where's my job going to be next? Um, Who is the person that I'm going to marry? I'm still waiting on that. Uh, When am I going to reach the goals that I had set out to accomplish? How can I finally get enough, do enough, be enough to finally be able to say, all right, now I can be sure that I'm in the plan of God because I reached this point or that point or achieved this goal or that goal. Or we say things like, well, maybe the plan of God for my life is to start doing what they do because they seem happy. They're never missing a quiet time. Uh, They seem to be doing so much. Why don't I just do what they do? And it becomes utterly clear why the plan of God was hidden. Because instead of noticing that great grace was shown to us, both Jew and Gentile, and that we are truly the very least, then we have settled with the fact that God is not worthy to be trusted. And so when Paul says, trust the plan while he's in prison... We need to modify or accommodate that message so that we can hold on to the trust that we have placed in our own plans rather than God's plans. Paul is not just the least of all these. He's showing us the posture that it takes in understanding a great mystery that is being revealed to us. And here is where all of our lives we see that the plan was hidden And it can still seem very unclear, but Paul is saying, wait, listen here. I lived my own plan. I did that. And this is what Paul's plan looked like. It looked like killing a bunch of Christians, gaining tons of uh, influence in the synagogue politically, religiously. He was living the dream. Or as he understood it, he was living Uh, God's plan. That was the plan for his life that he understood that God had given it. And because our plan was to keep the law and we would be saved, we sinned. The plan was obey God and you will be in eternity with me forever. We just made that plan a lot more complicated when we sinned. So what is the revelation of the mystery, what was needed. It says, Although I am the very least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. What was needed for us in such a fallen estate was a revelation of the mystery of God. Man needed to be born again. Man needed a new word. If the law has shown us anything, is that it's that we can't do everything that was required in order to fulfill God's plan. 
we remain in misunderstanding to the already revealed revelation because our hearts are deceitful. The law was given, and it's still a mystery. And yet the answer is ironic because it's more mystery. It is the mystery that is revealed in those who can see that they cannot see. See, man truly knows the law of God, and yet he is in continually desperate need of something which can only be new. And this gospel is new because it does what the law cannot do. The plan of God needed a word, and the word was Jesus Christ. This is what God had been doing all along. And the world and the heavenly places waited in anticipation, and what they found was the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. The vast depth that could not be contained was found in Christ. Or as Job's unwise counselors prophetically declared in Job 5, 8 through 9, as for me, I would seek God and to God would I commit my cause who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. It's the same word used in the Greek Septuagint. See, the wisdom of God and the mystery of this revelation is Jesus Christ. And this is where the plan happens for us. This is where the mystery comes into history and it comes for us. See, what Israel could not see and what the prophets proclaimed to be in front of them could not have anticipated such a savior. And so the height of the mystery in that the plan of God was that the son of God took on our flesh lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and perfected the grave, and is now at the right hand of the Father. Uh, B.B. Warfield said, The glory of the incarnation is that it presents to our adorning gaze not a humanized God or a defied man, but a true God-man. The incarnation is the beautiful mystery, and we are saved in this. In this God, man, is salvation found in where our plans are laid aside for a better plan. So what's, what's the posture that we take? What do we do? We're first receivers of mystery, heaven and earth together. And what we, do, what we get to do is first, before anything else, is received, receive Christ. See, heaven and earth receive the mystery of the gospel, or the principalities and powers Receive the gospel. And this is the first step in the plan of God. Because we are receivers before we are doers. And we never become doers until we recognize that we are receivers. So what do we do about the mystery once we've received it? Well, verse 10. It says, His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom or the rich variety of wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the beauty of the diverse community of God where the plan of God is gloriously and slowly unfolding. It's the promise of Genesis 12 to Abraham that Jew and Gentile together from every tribe and tongue and people would be brought into the plan of God. And 
It's through a very, very ordinary thing. So what we're supposed to do is go to church and be a part of the church because the eternal plan of God is that this family of God would be called holy as one plan of God for one people united to one Savior. The eternal plan of God is is weirdly revealed in this weird and dysfunctional family of God, and it's called holy. The church is the revealed mystery that we are united to one Savior, and it's the visible means by which God is bringing people into communion with him. His people are his treasure because through the Spirit he has bound them to himself. And this mystery is unfolding in each new person that is brought into the fold of God through every preacher that proclaims the gospel in every church that is planted. It's the beautiful and ever-growing body of saints from every corner of the world. The plan of God, then, is this. It's this beautiful community of saints gathered together who know that they need a great Savior and who have a great Savior and share that Savior with others. So, the confidence of the Christian in God's plan. Uh, Verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. See, our plan is now that we have boldness and access to God, we now have the freedom of the Spirit to live faithful lives as parents, as teachers, as counselors. We know that we are called to be right where we're at. That's that's the mystery of the gospel. The church living out God's plan and applying the gospel to our neighbors. It's a community that is diverse and and pursues diversity because the wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom of God is displayed in the diversity of his people who are united to one gospel. It's that we bear the sufferings of our brothers and sisters because we have suffered and we suffer greatly with others. So, The church is the mysterious setting. And our plans are only possible when we consider that the plan of God is with others. It's not an individual call. The Christian life is not individual. Because the vision and the plan of God cannot be one that is lived on our own. See, verse 13, Paul says, right as he's ending this passage, that he wants to suffer for his glory as they are suffering for one another's glory. It's this call to live out this plan of God with others. It is continuing to be placed with other Christians in the church despite the fact that the family of God is very, very messy and it will often hurt. That's why it's called suffering. That's why Paul says that he suffers for them. And we will probably suffer at the cost of simply putting ourselves in this community because we sacrifice for others. And we lose sight of God's plan when we think that we don't need others around us to remind us that the plan of God 
is the community of believers saved by the gospel, preaching the gospel, and applying the gospel. But the good news is that there is one mediator who has revealed the plan of God to us. The good news is that the gospel gave us sight when we could see no plan for our lives because we had chosen our plans over the perfect plan that God had in saving us. And that the church is the manner by which Christ is continuing to meet us and pursue us as the plan of God continues into eternity. Uh, My professor, uh, Dr. Michael Horton, in his book, People in Place, says, We are always passive recipients of grace from God and active agents of love to our neighbor. A forensic economy yields effective transformation. The word does what it declares the believer and the church become what they already are in Christ. And the confidence that we have in God's plan doesn't change when our plans seem frail and fragile and life seems like it has no purpose because God is in control of his own plan and we have the freedom as we're united to him to be exactly where we are. And that he intimately knows us, and involves us in our lives. And we get to know him the rest of our days. So let's pray.